Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with your friend and <laughs> my friend, too, <laughs> and all of our trusty producers, Max Kervin. Max, how's it going? Good. I'm great. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's up? Yo, yo. So this is a big episode, guys. This is the Vice Principals episode, and Vice Principals is premiering season two, Sunday, September 17th at 10.30 p.m., Eastern on HBO Canada. We're all going to be watching it. Of course we are. Woo! Well, I've already seen some because we did this before the interview. We were able to screen some episodes, which was nice. I one wasn't the, able to. One of the perks <laughs> of the gig. I didn't watch it, but yeah. But we will get to those a bit later. Guys, we literally just got back into town a couple of days ago from Miami. And uh, how many salads have you guys had since you got back? <laughs> About four. <laughs> I, yeah, I've just eaten exclusively salads <laughs> yeah. since I got back. I got too into bad food mode. I've been eating uh, bad food. You've just continued the binge? Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like hard to wean off. Off the airplane straight to McDonald's? He gets home. Yeah. His wife's like, Shane, why are you drinking 20 cans of beer a day still? <laughs> yeah, I'm still hungover, though. And it's, <laughs> it's been four days. Like, I feel horrible. <laughs> <laughs> If you could see, it would be extra funny. Because <laughs> I'm just sweating like a pig. Yes. I just came from the gym, so you guys know. Set the scene, though. Who were we celebrating? Whose marriage, impending marriage, were we celebrating? All right, so in our gang, if you've listened to our podcast, uh, you know that uh, a bunch of us are kind of in that marrying age, and uh, for the last couple of years, we've been lucky enough to go on these bachelor trips before guys get married. This year, our friends Sean and our friend Peak. The song Drake's Dad, by the way, takes place on a bachelor trip in... Uh, Memphis and Nashville, That's Julian's, Julian, yeah. Julian's bachelor trip. The famous Jules who takes his shirt off and gets thrown out of all of your shows. Yeah, if you've ever seen uh, a shirtless man dancing on Arkell's Instagram, that is Julian. And from the song Round and Round. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Like I said, we do these bachelor trips. Uh, they're a great time. This was the biggest one that's ever taken place because we were combining two. We had Sean and Peak, and we had about 20 guys, and we all went down there to Miami, South Beach, and it was a good time. Yeah. The nut was there. The nut was there. Now, Miami ain't cheap. And, <laughs> no. And I think there's been an effort, uh, you know, with, with becoming an adult to, to, to be a little more responsible fiscally. Yeah, it's what slush funds are for. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, but, and I think the logic, though, is like combining two bachelor trips into one, we're all saving money. But the thing, Miami Beach is like a very expensive place. Oh, yeah. Tell my credit card with a conversion. Oh, did, did anyone look at their cards when they got back? Uh, it was no, insane. hell no. Are you kidding me? I don't look at that stuff. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> My wife looked at him. Did she? And she's never looked at credit card statements before in her life. She, <laughs> she got my bank passwords, and she went through everything. What? I think she was want. She didn't believe me about the that we didn't go to a strip club. We did not go to a strip club. We didn't go to a strip club. But she went <laughs> it's back. Like three guilty yeah. men. Yeah, we, did. <laughs> we did. We did. We did not. Everyone's verified. We all practiced the way that we would say it. <laughs> Well, we, we actually didn't. We didn't. No. We, we never. We didn't. We didn't, we didn't for mine. I, I swear to God, I've never been to a strip club. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so she checked all of your shit? Yeah, she went back a year and a half, though. Like, that's extreme. <laughs> She's like, it only goes back to April 2016. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, a documentary on her, like, financial history? But I was clean. <laughs> hookers.com what's that <laughs> it's a fishing website <laughs> oh man uh but yeah so uh sean dawson and matt mcpeak yep. were the guys getting married and we love them dearly and uh we, you know part of uh the job of organizing a bachelor trip is you know having to corral 20 guys and get them to agree on stuff but i think everybody's pretty agreeable yeah uh what do, we, what do we do? Let's go through the night. All right. So the first night, the nut, as he does, set up this great thing at the Miami Marlins baseball park. So we all, he's like, hey, everybody, for like, you know, throwing this amount of money and we're going to have our own suite at this ballpark, food, all you can drink. We're like, all right, sweet. You go to Miami, let's go to a baseball game. 
we get to this baseball game. That was game. 200 bucks, though, American, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, let, let's preface this for a second. So I want to say this. The Nut has gotten us into more free concerts and free basketball games and free bottle service and things like that like than we deserve. Like, he has pro- we have probably had, like, I'm tens of thousands of dollars of entertainment based on the Nuts connections. And we haven't waited in line in like three three years or whatever. I'm just waiting for the however. However, <laughs> uh, with the suite that he arranged, uh, it was 120 USD a guy, which ain't cheap. And the Marlins are not a hot ticket in town. We probably could have got seats. We the outnumbered game. all the other fans, like in the stadium altogether. That's yeah. not even a joke. We actually pretty much did. Yeah, and we got an on-field experience, but we weren't actually allowed to stand on the field. We couldn't touch the grass. We were allowed to stand in the dirt. Exactly. But and so. When we got there, everybody was a little bit tired. And because the stadium wasn't, like, that lively. It wasn't bumping at all. It wasn't the bumping. vibe was bad. vibe was yeah. bad. A lot of guys hadn't slept the night before to get up for the plane ride. They, people were worried that they uh, were going to miss a flight. Yeah, people were. Uh, people had to leave Hamilton at, like, 3 a.m. So, anyway, we heard about this bar in center field called Clevelander. But, wait, are we not going to talk about I was the only one with the guts to take my shirt off on the field? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the field photo? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you took your shirt off. And then I wanted everybody to take their shirt off. And then the, the woman. So the girl, our escort, like, not. <laughs> she, she was my escort. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was mine. <laughs> the girl that worked at the park uh, walked us to the field. She takes the photo. Shane takes his thing off. Max is like, everybody take her shirts off. We're the champion. And she's like, no, 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 no. She won't let us do it. And I'm like, that's fine. Okay, okay. Let me take the photo. Because then I think that I'm telepathically letting you guys know that I'm going to kick it one, two, three, thinking you guys are going to know on two to all rip your shirts off. So I'm like, one, two, I realize nobody's doing it except for Shane, who's still shirtless. I'm like, take them off, take them off. And then like half go. And then the girl gets really mad that I was trying to get everyone to take their shirts off. And then I had to apologize to her. And I'm like, we're just trying to have a good time. Yeah, we're but she wasn't even really. that mad. You're like, would you really care if we did? She's like, well, I have to say I would. But <laughs> oh, that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. So then we go to Clevelanders. Uh, in the park in center field, they have this exclusive bar that the nut, again, gets us wristbands to. I don't think we have to pay extra either. No, it was awesome. And there's a pool in Cleveland. There's just a pool and these go-go dancers. And there's all these games to play, too. Yeah, so who was the first person to take and off their it shirt? also looks right into the bullpen. So the opposing team is warming up through a glass beside the pool. And uh, nobody brought their swimsuit, obviously. That is true. we didn't expect to, to find a pool at a baseball game. And I don't think anyone was actually in the swimming mood, to be honest. No. But what happened was, Mike, I'm not sure if you remember this, but you got really excited and ran up to me. And you go, Shane, oh, my God, all your favorite things are here. Games and a pool. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And that, those are my favorite things. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So I'm like, oh, guys, let's go in. And the guy's like, ah, no, no, no. And I go to the nut. I go, let's go in. He goes, I'm not going in. I'm not taking my shirt off. I'm like, come on, let's go. He's like, all right. But then he goes to ask for permission. He goes, are we allowed to go in in our underwear? <laughs> I'm like, you don't ask to break a very minor rule like that. <laughs> so the guy's like, well, I'd prefer if you didn't, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> and Nut's kind of like, shit. But I'm like, yeah, rule number one is just do it if you're going to break a very minor rule. Oh, are you suggesting that he was trying to get the guard? I'm not to suggesting s- it. I'm saying that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> he was trying to get it shut down so he wouldn't have to get in the pool. Exactly. Okay. So then I, I take off, get in the pool immediately, not sheepishly gets in. We're dancing, having a good time. And then one by one, it starts looking like a better time and a better time. And guys start piling in until it's just like, I think, three guys who aren't in. 
And then we got it down to just Brody, who is the uh, organizer, the, the brother organizer, and the brother Dawson. of one of the guys on the the bachelor party who were there for. And then once he got in, it was like bedlam. It was like we were like the life of the party. The go go dancers come out and start dancing. All these presumably gay guys, I'm guessing, came out and started like whistling and hollering at us. <laughs> we had guys buying us round of drinks. Yeah, some guys spent like. Hundreds of dollars on buying us all drinks for the pool. A woman walks up and she goes, none of you guys are freeballing, are you? <laughs> We're like, that's an odd pickup line. <laughs> but it turns out she was a, a producer and she wanted to bring a camera crew over to film us. Because this is one of the deadest baseball nights ever and we've generated a little bit of excitement in the arena. So then the camera crew comes over, and we're all on the Jumbotron. It was triumphant, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, one of my dreams, is to be on a Jumbotron. But we did it. Yeah. Well, just wait until that footage ends up on Gays Gone Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break! <laughs> yeah, well, I've asked the nut if he could track down that footage, so I think he's on the case. So that'd be sweet, though. My other dream was, imagine it was on, like, a, a sports show in the morning. Like, you know sometimes they show, like, fat guy eating a hot dog or sure, something? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, would... sig guy or whatever. That would be sweet. <laughs> be awesome. So that was the first night. That's a pretty good first night. So then the next day, we wake up first thing, and people want to go to the racetrack in Miami. So we decide to get an Uber and go and bet on the horses. Really damn fun. I didn't realize how fun it was be. I did not go to this thing. You didn't go to this thing, and you missed out because they had $3 tall cans of Pabst, which is not a smart thing to do at 10 a.m. Uh, in Miami. But th- get this. While you guys were there, the kind of the fun thing about these trips is that there's 20 guys and you end up breaking off into little groups totally. like, during the course of a day. And you never know who you're going to be with. And it's actually kind of nice to spend time with people who aren't necessarily like, in your A crew. So, for instance, uh, Matt McPeak, who's one of the guys getting married, his uh, cousin, who we've never met before, uh, came on the trip. And his cousin is named Jeff, and he's a dairy farmer. And he was being introduced to everybody as Cousin Jeff. And somebody thought his name was Kevin Jeff. And then his <laughs> name quickly became Kevin Jeff. And uh, so we're walking around. Uh, everyone's sort of getting their Gatorade at the um, at the Walgreens, and he gets this, like, huge jug of milk. And he just drinks j- milk all weekend long because he's a dairy farmer. And he weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little strange. Uh, His bones are strong as hell. Though. They are. A lot of calcium in there. Uh, but anyway, so we're walking by this bar, and everyone's, like, not really in the mood to have a drink quite yet. And this, um, you know, the women are the, the, the what do they call them, the front. Like, Strippers? <laughs> <laughs> like the maitre d', like standing yeah. on the sidewalk. Oh, the hostess, like the like, cedar greeter? Yeah, that. Uh, she's like, hey, do you guys want drinks? We'll, we'll do a great drink special for you. They're like two for one cocktails. And the cocktails were like 17 bucks. <laughs> I was like, that's like $8 a drink. And they're like, okay, two for one cocktails and a shot of uh, tequila. I'm like, eh. All right. Two for one cocktails and two shots of tequila. You have four we're, drinks now. We're like, eh. Three shots of tequila. Like, okay, you got it. And so we got in there, and that's what we. Exactly that's some what we shrewd did. negotiating. <laughs> yeah. So for like sixteen bucks, we. Uh, that's a good lesson for negotiating. You just seem apathetic. Yeah. You just go, eh. And let it's them keep easy when it. you're hungover, though, and the last thing you want is alcohol. Yeah. Exactly. So so while we were at this uh, table having our tequila and cocktails, we were getting messages from you guys at the at the racetrack about betting it all on black racetrack slash casino. Yeah, and so we have the slush yeah. fund. That Brody has... So the guy that organized it, uh, Brody, who's the brother of one of the grooms, right before we left, he's like, hey, everybody, everyone send me $200, and that will be our, like, <laughs> that will be our party fund, is what he called it at the time. We eventually started calling it a slush fund, because nobody really knows where the money went. Like, we had some cheap American beer. We ended up, oh, on a party boat. We ended up on a party boat. But either way, Brody was in charge of this slush fund. Would you say he's good at managing money? <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
and I, I'm not one to talk because I would not feel responsible with like having people send me that much money because I don't think I could handle it all. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if Brody would be at the top of the list for like financial <laughs> responsibility. I'm probably like second lowest on the list, and I'm like Warren Buffett compared to him. I feel like. <laughs> 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 so, but but here's the thing brody did do a lot of work organizing the thing so when he, asked he did a ton so, so if he listens to this you did a great yeah, job great brody. job brody really i'd love to know we're about half that slush fund <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where it's like we're not going to question him if he's asking for 200 for his slush fund trust him but yeah i think throughout the course of the weekend there were a lot of questions because if you ask brody he'd be like oh we're, we're in the red guys and then, like, half an hour later, he'd be like, guys, we got a lot of slush fund money to spend right now. This <laughs> encapsulates the slush fund. So, like, on the last day where we're there, we end up at this bar called The Deuce, which is kind of like a dive bar. And Birchall turns to Brody and he says, hey, man, last night I paid, like, 120 to get everybody into the club. He's like, so you need to pay me that back out of the slush fund. Brody goes, sorry, <laughs> sorry, amigo. There's no money left in the slush fund. Two drinks later, Brody sees the shirts at the deuce. He's like, those are awesome. He's like, we're all getting a round of shirts on the slush fund. <laughs> and the nut just goes, what the fuck? <laughs> Never gets his money back, but we all have deuce shirts now. <laughs> From there, we all meet up back with you guys. Yeah. And we decide to go to a nice little club called Bodega. Bodega, one of my favorite words. Yeah. So now I've been drinking since about 10 a.m. at the track. Yeah. Lost some money at the casino. And I'm having a good time at Bodega. Now, Bodega is cool because when you enter Bodega, it looks like just a pretty normal, small, hipster taco shop. Yeah. And then you go through a bathroom, and then you go through the back door of the bathroom, and you enter into a magical world. Uh, that's like a very cool nightclub. Yeah, absolutely. And my favorite part is that I guess you thought you discovered this nightclub or something. I believe that that's how I was described. That the nut hey, was guys. Like, yeah, like you come bursting out of the exit. Like, guys, you got to check it out. Check it out. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. And then you like led us through the bathroom like an excited like kid on Christmas or something like that. Like you had this awesome discovery. Yeah. And, then, and then the nut who had arranged this place was like, yeah, that's literally the point of this place is that there's a bathroom door that gets you to the club. That Mike did not know about. Hey, man. Yeah. It was, was pretty it. awesome. I thought we kind of discovered something, too, though. But I, I was feeling really good. The lesson is essentially everything we think we discover, Nut has planned three months in advance <laughs> yeah. and called somebody that he knows and he's worked it out. Uh, but anyway, the reason this club is notable to me is because uh, the ba apparently they have a no hat rule. Like, we're back at, like, Kingdom in Burlington, like, dancing to... Good reference. Yeah, yeah the modern right. reference. So I was wearing a hat. I was wearing my Hamilton, Ontario hat and having a good time. Very drunk, not going to lie. But we were there for like three hours. With before, the hat. Yeah. When it turned in, I think there's a point in the night where it turns into a club. And then it's like the bouncers or whatever. So he tells me to take my hat off. I say, okay. I take it off. The minute he turns around, I like put it back on and start dancing again. Kind of having a laugh. I thought maybe I'd get a warning. And he immediately was like, you, that's it. You're out. So I get kicked out of the club. So I'm like, man, this sucks. But every, I look around and everybody's having such a good time. I'm like... How angry were you? Were I was actually, I acquiesced and yeah. I'd been drinking. And when I came in, I made note that there was a McDonald's across the street. <laughs> so I kind of had like a good exit plan anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very drunk. I go to the McDonald's. I get two filet of fishes, a supersized fry, a drink, and I get in a cab and I'm going to go back to the hotel. This is my plan. I'm like, this is a great opportunity to call Danica, say what's up. But I also don't want to tell her I get kicked out of the club because then I'm going to seem, I mean, I already seem drunk, yeah. but I'm going to seem like I did something wrong if I got kicked out of the club. But now I'm not making sense because she's like, why aren't you with everybody? I'm like, I'm in a cab. She's like, why are you in a cab? I'm like, I'm going back to the hotel. Why? I don't understand. Well, you're not making any sense. And then I'm like, 
I guess at this point I got offended that I wasn't making sense. And I'm like, as if like me checking in should have been good enough. So I'm like, ah, I'm just going to eat my damn food. And I get off the phone and that's that. Get back to the Marriott, get out with my fucking bag of food, look around, realize I'm at the wrong Marriott. I'm at the Marriott <laughs> downtown. By the way, our hotel from the club from Bodega was probably like a five minute drive. To get to that Marriott that you went to would have been like a 20 minute drive. I don't like know. You had to go across a causeway to yeah, get to that. I don't pay attention to these things. I was just like, I'm reading Twitter, like I'm drunk, I'm trying to eat the <laughs> fries out of the bag. Fast, you know? So anyway, it ended up being like a sixty dollar American mistake Good to get fuck. back in the, the cab or whatever. So that was a nightmare. But by all accounts, Bodega was amazing, never had a good time. Actually, this kind of gets to the question about checking in. How often did you call Lauren? Or what what is the responsibility of a bunch of bachelors on a trip to to check in with your significant other? Well, I have to travel a lot anyway, so Lauren is used to me being away. Uh, And Lauren is, like, kind of shitty on the phone. Like, Lauren, Lauren's like, uh, she has this dog. uh, Her family has a dog named Forrest who kind of forgets who you are after if you've, like, left for a day. Like, just will look at you with, like, who the hell is this person? Lauren's kind of like that with me. So, like, even when I... When I call her, she's like, who is this guy talking to me? And then even when I come home, it'll be like a solid six hours of her feeling me out. And we've been dating for almost seven years. Uh, So Lauren, I don't think Lauren likes spending that much time on the phone anyway. So I am in a position where I don't actually have to check in that much. Yeah, I found that I was getting like mean texts from Alex a lot. Like I wasn't checking in enough. But I think I'm pretty good. But I've never been a check-in person like Growing up, I never had to check in with my parents. I never, like, if I slept over at a friend's house, I'd kind of just do it. I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> Is it insulting, though, to even call it checking in? Shouldn't you want to call your significant other? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like saving the stories for when you're back, so it's kind of like this fun thing. So I'm just like, hey, what's up? But, yeah, this, and, and you know, I called her a couple times, but Alex, like, nothing's ever good enough for her. And she kind of, like, checking in-wise, because she always wants to be at the party. Yeah. So and she hates bachelor parties more than probably any wife in history. So th- <laughs> this was extra. This was extra hard. Yeah, like I got like you'd think if you just knew us from this trip that like we had the worst marriage ever. Right. But really, we never really argue except when we're apart. It's funny. Interesting. Not haha funny, but yeah, <laughs> like sad funny. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what what was really funny I found was. Uh, how uh, crazy we were being at the club without getting kicked out. And you got that bouncer must have hated you. Yeah. Like, I showed him up. That was the problem. Like, Julian had his shirt off and he was throwing, throwing it around. Like, and the guy's like, hey, put your shirt on. And then Julian does the thing where he put the shirt on his head, which is showing him <laughs> up. But it got like such a good reception. Well, Jules said that the yeah. guy said to him, you're out. And then Jules, like, just was like, come on, man. I'm just joking. And the guy's like, okay, you can stay. <laughs> I'm like, that's all I had to do. Well, I was doing a th- like you know my uh, fellatio bit, right? Oh yeah. So like I walk around. I, and- <laughs> <laughs> Just that exchange alone sounded a lot worse than it was. So I walk around for people who don't know, and I I kind of like will pretend I'm like orally fellating a guy, <laughs> it, like, and and it, it always gets a big laugh or kind of a reaction. But so I went in the washroom. I thought I'd take it really extreme. And I kind of got on my knees and peeked down. I'm like, it's amazing in here to all these girls. And I was like blowing the guy who gives you like gum and turns on the thing. But he was kind of laughing. And then I crawled out on my knees and all the bouncers were kind of just like smirking and laughing and no one kicked me out. So it blew my mind that you actually got kicked out given everything that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I will say anyway. bouncers generally love Julian. 
I know. Yes. Like, yeah. Because he's got this big old dumb grin on his face. Julian's bit on the weekend was uh, flexing mm-hmm. and getting uh, people to like feel as how big his biceps are. And ask if they need assistance. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Do you need, you need assistance? <laughs> Just flexing with his shirt off wherever he went. People loved it. Because Julian's in shape, but he doesn't have particularly big muscles. It's true. Yeah. Well, Jules and I had a, a bit too where I, I said one night I'm all I'm gonna do is bad jokes, so I was just talking out my butt like Ace Ventura, like acting <laughs> like it was original material, and I'd be up at the bartender, I'd be like uh, five shots please, it's okay I'm wearing a bulletproof vest, and then it was just like awkward and the bartender would have to laugh. <laughs> we had a really, <laughs> we had like really uh, funny night that way. So speaking of uh, late night activities, Shane, I heard you tried to order a pizza. I didn't hear the full story. Yeah, this but, isn't a good story, uh, but <laughs> I love Domino's, so I kept trying to call Domino's repeatedly. Okay, I, me and Unzi, our good friend Matt Unsworth, who's been on the pod, we're, we're in bed. We'd order our McDonald's. We got super <laughs> bad on the TV. Shane comes stumbling into the room. This was m- maybe my drunkest night. Too. Lays down, and he's like, I'm getting Domino's, and he calls up Domino's. He's like, hey, he's like, I'm from Canada, and I want Cracker Crust. And he's like, you got Cracker Crust? And he's like, oh, you're from Australia, because the guy's speaking Australian. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And he puts him on hold. And Shane starts laughing. He goes, <laughs> and we're like, what? And he goes, the guy that answered the phone is on the recording. He's also speaking Australian. <laughs> and so me and, me and Ansi, we're, we're like, okay, weird, whatever, that's funny. And then, the, and then the guy comes back. He's like, no, 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 Cracker Crust, Cracker Crust, like the Marriott. You got it. And he's trying to explain it to the guy. And then Shane gets quiet. He goes, oh? Oh. <laughs> Shit. Okay, well, a good day or whatever he hangs up. He's like, there's a f***ing Miami, Australia. <laughs> We're like, you've been talking to Australia this whole time? <laughs> but I kept calling them back and again and again. <laughs> like, was that out of confusion or were you just trying to be funny? You were kind of doing your own thing over there. I was so hammered that night. Well, it was a great trip. Yeah. Everybody have a fun time? We had a great time. Well, all the best to both the grooms, Sean and Peak, our dear and beloved friends. Shout out to the nut for hooking us up, Brody, uh, for organizing the whole damn thing. Kevin Jeff for being the finest dairy farmer that we know. Yeah, and uh, a fine group of 20 uh, young men. Youngish. Ish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so today on the show, fellas, we have the cast, creators, directors we have the whole boat of the show vice principles which will be on hbo canada sunday september 17th at 10 30 p.m it is the season two premiere so it's exciting stuff so we are going to start with jody hill and my man david gordon green that's right he's, he's directed films like pineapple express which you know uh so he directed a bunch of these episodes of vice principles uh jody hill and danny mcbride uh, actually created eastbound and down so that's how you know who jody hill is and those guys open up so it's jody hill it's uh david gordon green and they just sort of speak to how they got in the industry how they met each other how the show came about jody hill has a really funny story about how he was banned from canada uh, by because tr- he was trying to smuggle in cigarettes <laughs> uh, when he was a young man so that's the tease for that and then after you're in for a real treat because we have the stars of vice principals uh danny mcbride and walton goggins and we did these interviews at just for laughs and I, it was great. It was just, I'm a huge Dana McBride fan, so it was really cool to sit. We did this at the Hyatt in uh, like a sort of a ballroom sort of thing where they were doing like a bit of a junket, but Shane and I just sat down like at a table with uh, both sets. So the first set came over, Jody and David, and then Danny and Walton came over. And what were your thoughts on the uh, exchange? It was awesome. Well, the first thing, I was a little nervous because I heard a rumor maybe he didn't want to do a podcast. So I was like, uh-oh, he's going to be- Danny McBride? Yeah, I heard a rumor that he doesn't like doing podcasts. So I was like, ah, maybe he's going to be a little like condescending or whatever. 
But he was the nicest guy ever, as as you experienced too. And that Walton guy, he was super nice too. Yeah, he was yeah. fantastic. And Dana McBride, for some reason, had his, his hair dyed blonde, which mm-hmm. we did not ask about. But, you know, I'm guessing he's shooting a film or maybe he just likes to dye his tips blonde. Did you ever see um, Walden in uh, Justified? I've never seen Justified. He's so People cre- love that he's show. He's so creepy in that show. He's amazing. Well, this came up a lot because after that, they did a huge panel to like a full sort of like ballroom and they talked a lot about sort of Walton Goggins other work and how people like love him from Justified and come up to him all the time. And he was an intense guy and very honest about his sort of path and acting his career and the idea of doing comedy with Danny and how he approaches it. Um, and, and like I said, I, th- I think you're in for a real treat if you're a Dana McBride fan, because I think a lot of people see him as like Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down and these things. But you actually get to hear him from the perspective of a creative guy that grew up in the South that really tried to chase his dream in L.A. And he's getting to do it with his childhood friends. Yeah, and Walton's in Hateful Eight, too, which most people will recognize him. Yeah. You guys want to get to the interview? Let's do it. So we're just gonna start. If you guys don't mind, sure. Do it. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, you guys up here often? Uh, Never been to Montreal before. I've been to Canada. Uh, I've been to Canada a number of times. First time Montreal. In Montreal. About twenty minutes ago, I just landed. <laughs> I tried to come to Montreal. Me and John Kajiri back in college tried to come to Montreal. I remember that. We we're gonna sell cigarettes here. We had a bunch of cartons, of cigarettes <laughs> and we got stopped at the border and actually got banned from Canada for five years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they didn't know that when we came in, so they let me in. It was nice. <laughs> Why were you gonna sell cigarettes up here? We it was a long story, but a buddy of his had a check scam going in college, where he, in order to cash these fake checks, you had to go to the. Uh, um, grocery store and spend 10% of it so they would buy cigarettes and we would sell them on campus and at the end of the year we had like 250 cartons left so we packed them into the car it was the worst scam too because like we lit, we heard that American cigarettes went for a lot, and there's like a uh, a rest stop right before you get to the border, and we pulled over, and that's where we like hid the evidence with like our laundry. And stuff. It was like wow, ter- yeah, it wasn't the best like and then smuggling operation. Banned for five years for yeah. trying to smuggle ciggies yeah, into Canada. Yeah, totally, yeah. I like that. That's yeah. great. Uh, I mean, I wanted to talk sort of about the run that you've had with HBO. And it would seem that, like, based on the material and the subject matter, um, that the studio doesn't really interfere a ton. How much conversation, I guess, happens with the studio when you guys are working on something like Vice Principals? Uh, a lot happens at the beginning, but at this point, we have uh, a lot of trust built up with uh, with Casey and Amy, especially Casey Bullies and Amy Gravett. Um, they were kind of got their start when we got our start. So, uh, oh, y'all kind of crew together? together? Yeah, we sure did, yeah. And, um now it's kind of like the inmates are running the asylum over there. So um, whenever, uh, whenever they give us notes, it's generally like, like really coming from a good, smart place. So we, we take, you know, their advice, especially the good things and, and run with it. But then when it comes to the show, they pretty much leave us alone. I mean, has that been your experience too? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just nice to have the people that, uh, you know, you're creating, you come to them with an idea, you're trying to create a cool show, but you've got great collaborators on every level, you know, for us from, from the actors, obviously the writers that, um, that you know put it all together, but then to have some you know a company like HBO behind it with voices that actually are practical, make sense, get what we're trying to do, and are supportive of that. So notes are always helpful, actually, in, in that in that scenario where I know in a lot of a lot of other endeavors they can be they can be debilitating in some way, but here it's really really helpful. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you're both originally from uh, the South. I guess like we're at a comedy festival right now. You guys are about to do the panel. Would you say there's like a unique brand of humor sort of from the South? And like, I guess like when you're working together, is there a shorthand because you both share similar roots? That's interesting. I mean, I, I think I would hate to think that it just is a, uh, a regional categorization of comedy because, you know, you, you know, you hear about a lot of uh, a lot of different 
voices and and um, um, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's certainly a lot of comedic voices from the South, some of which I think are hysterical, some of which I, I don't particularly care for. So um, Joey's laughing right but, now. Uh, I just a few names popped in my head when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I think there is a sense of sense of humor, sensibility, and and we do try to bring an authenticity of a voice as as absurd and surreal as these shows can get. They come from places that I think we we laugh together. You know, I'm, I I grew up in Arkansas and Texas and Jody in North Carolina, but I think we recognize a lot of similarities in the the voices and the characters we've met in our lives. For sure. Yeah, I agree with David. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. Yeah, just well going, said. You're just going to smuggle <laughs> some more yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess it's also been you know we all know that there's not going to be a third season of Vice Principals. This is it for season two. What was the decision uh, process behind that? I think ours obviously value in going out in a good place and controlling your own destiny as a creative. What was the thought process behind that for you guys? That's it. I think that's just always been part of the deal. I mean, we did that with Eastbound and Down, although it ended up going an extra season because essentially we couldn't get Katie Mixon, who we, we had sort of what you saw with Eastbound was a combo between the original like relationship ending of that we wanted to to do and then like sort of like the career got tweaked a little bit by going extra season but you know that one wasn't canceled either we ended it and we we wanted to do it in three but we compromised with four just because we were able to get katie for four season we weren't able to get her during the third season because she was on mike and molly right so um with this one it was just like two and hbo was lucky enough to like really let us shoot it all um in one piece one kind of thing so it was like um i pretty much did the first season david did the second season and um with the whole show was edited and everything before it was uh ever shown to anybody and personally i mean that's the way i think that like you're going to get the best product because sink or swim it's going to be something pure that it's just like you and your friends are like digging on and, and everything yeah you don't know i mean you know when you do it uh, and and when you do a TV pilot, you know, a traditional TV, television pilot, you kind of test the cast and then there's recasting or you test the concept and think, well, this really worked because the focus group or this didn't. Or, you know, you go season two and you think about what worked and what didn't. But uh, what, what was kind of, I mean, certainly unique about this experience is like, let's let's do two seasons at the same time. You know, one season, then immediately do the second one, have uh, a different director different cinematographer tackle each of these seasons so there's a there's a you know a similarity but also there's differences between the two seasons tonally and the look um and and trying to not just fall into the the traps of success and formula but starting this you know really really seeing this all the way through as a unique vision i don't i don't know if do you talk about the fact that you and danny wrote it as a movie originally yeah it was originally a we after foot this way i want to say i was 2006 uh that summer we got together and we're just like we got to write another movie or something and we we went down to like danny had a a buddy with a place by this like river and stuff it's really kind of funny <laughs> so for like a week a week we went down there and just like wrote the screenplay and what was really it was a cool idea we thought it was funny two vice principals find to become principal you know and then um this is around the mid-2000s you guys are this is this? 2006 i want cool, to say cool. maybe 2007 somewhere around there yeah yeah and um um it sat there for years because in the second act when you need like to learn about the characters and all this kind of stuff. Um, it really just felt like bits essentially, you know, because there wasn't enough time to kind of like go to some of the places we wanted to go to. So, um, you know, Danny's really the one who pushed for this to be a TV show. And um, it works so much better in my opinion, because 
you just are able to like do these side stories with like Walton's character and Kimberly's character and all this kind of stuff. And really just kind of dig into like who these people are, which is the kind of stuff that I think like if, if there's something that separates us from like the other guys doing comedies, I'd say that's probably one of the things it's just like, um, we all kind of enjoy like digging a little deeper, you know what I mean? Into things and also not having to necessarily have like a plot type, uh, everything doesn't have to revolve around this like plot. You can go on these little side adventures and kind of just see little weird aspects of characters. And I think you're going to be uh, psyched when you see second season because there's a lot of that that David did, really. That you delve into sort of more like character background, character development. Yeah, sometimes take a little detour and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, leave the the kind of traditional structure that, you know, even within the show kind of establish here's who they are and here's what they do. And then to be able to detach from that a little bit and see something on the you know other side of the planet, I think is just kind of a fun way to expand the universe and the mindset and know that people aren't just um, falling into their own traps and cliches. In order to serve the plot or like right. get from point A to point B. Totally. Yeah, it feels a little more organic that way. And it's also just cool because... You know, you know, as as uh, Jody and Danny develop de- develop these characters, I remember reading that screenplay so many years ago and seeing them grow. And just as a fan of of those characters in that world, wanting to know more and why did they do this and and peeling it back a little bit is really fun to explore. When you write a script like that with like sort of two leads, strong leads, you know, obviously Walton is in that role. Was Danny always going to be the role he was going to be? Yeah, I mean, yes. But I, I remember was... conversations going on either on either. Yeah, but yeah. he was talking about either role. I mean, like, you should, Danny does this little voice for that character that's... <laughs> you hear him talking back there. Like, uh, it was really funny, but uh, Walton really, like, got it right away. Sure. Like, I, you know, I think it's him coming from the South and everything. He's seen these kind of people before, and... um, um he just started doing the voice like right away, and it was kind of like, okay, this guy gets it. Like he's the best man for the job. You know, what's funny. I have uh, I found the other day. I just moved. I'm actually where we shot the show in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I just moved there, so I've, I've relocated there permanently now. And I was unpacking some boxes, and I found a napkin from when I was at a bar in Charlottesville, Virginia, in 2003, where I met Walt for the first time. And he wrote his number on a napkin and said, "We got to hang out. We got to work together." 2003. Wow, wow. That's crazy. And you kept the napkin. I kept the napkin. Wow. So did you have to uh, audition Walton, or is it just like, hey, this is going to work? his body of work, just, you know, just even the snapshots of his career from, you know, The Shield, The Sons of Anarchy, and Justified. I mean, just the intensity of that. And then, and actually, I remember talking to him on the phone and just hearing his, like, he'd be talking about the character and then bust into the character on the phone and just laughing my ass off. So you kind of have to find tricky ways to audition at a certain level. So, <laughs> yeah. it, it's got to become much harder. Like, what if it doesn't work? He hires a new... Well, chemistry's so important that, for yeah, something like this. That gets a little this. scary when, like, well, outside of the show, because I think we got lucky and we, David obviously knew him and uh, we had read him for Eastbound and Down for Jason Sudeikis' role and stuff oh, really? like that. Yeah. But, um, it does get a little weird when you get big stars because you're never sure. Like you think it's going to work out, and you usually do like a phone call, you know, kind of thing. And some yeah. won't audition. You know, some some actors get to a point they're like, I'm not going to audition, and and that's it's that's a that's nerve wracking because just because they have a great resume doesn't necessarily mean that they've got it. Um, but I don't know, man. Just you need somebody that's brave. That gets the technique and is also playful and can break the rules, break their own rules. Yeah, we were talking to Edgar Wright uh, like a couple weeks ago, um, and he was talking about, <laughs> we were asking, you know, that process where it's like you're obviously not going to audition a Kevin Spacey or something like right. that for Baby Driver. Um, and sort of like the nerve-wracking thing, and when it doesn't work, when you get an actor that didn't audition, you're like, he's like, the voice is too big. And we're like, tell us who you're talking about. He's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> have you guys found yourselves in that situation before with, with, with actors? And give us names if you have. we <laughs> <laughs> answer that one. <laughs> David, really. you want to take that one? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I think I'm just a, 
a glutton for punishment, and I love, I love, you know, when they bring it on, and they bring the weird ideas and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I love getting in the arena, and you know, even when I like, I worked with Nicolas Cage uh, one time, and we just had a blast trying to sculpt a very restrained character, you know. And he's a he's an actor known for his bravado and in in Western Kabuki, as he puts it. <laughs> um, but, but being able to okay, yeah, but he's got he's got the charisma Wait, I want, and then how Western do I sculpt Kabuki? it? What is that? That's 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 his that's his own brand, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he brings. <laughs> um, well, I guess th- lastly, because we're, we're wrapping up here, uh, D- David, you're working on a new Halloween with Danny McBride. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, uh, Danny and I just turned in the script, and we're gonna uh, hopefully start shooting that this fall. Well, I mean, you're kind of you jump around genres. It would seem is sort of your thing. And like, do you plan to take any sensibilities to something like Halloween, like maybe some comedy elements or comedic elements, or are you going to strictly do a horror that's, movie? That's a strictly a horror movie. And you know, oh. I'll be at the Toronto Film Festival uh, in September with a new drama I just did with Jake Gyllenhaal and Tatiana Maslany. She's amazing. So yeah, I mean, she's one of my idols. She's a Canadian treasure. It, absolutely. So oh, I don't know her. Where's she from? She's from Orphan Black. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's you just good. can't pronounce her name. No. She's phenomenal. Yeah. So to me, the, just the joy is to jump from something. Literally, that's within a year. Is just doing, you know, jumping from, from, uh, you know, a, a, a hilarious TV show where you're laughing every day to a dramatic movie to, you know, a slasher film and, and just exploring, um, you know, di- directing just like an audience explores their entertainment. Yeah. Where do you see this film you just finished? The one he's talking about with Jill Hall. It's. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah? Yeah, I loved it personally, yeah. I mean, actually, that's an interesting question. I mean, how much do you guys as creatives show around your work uh, to peers? Oh, all the time. Like oh, in, yeah. in various states of finish? You got to keep each other in check. Yeah. I like need it. I want people to like... You want that, feedback. Oh, yeah, I used to get my feelings hurt. Now I like want people to criticize me, especially mm-hmm. my friends. Tell me what like, sucks now before the world is suddenly... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before, before much music has their way with me. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for your time. Man. We really appreciate much. it. Thank you. Cheers. All right, so we're just going to talk into these microphones, if fellas right, don't mind. Do we, do we leave them on the table, or do we hold them? You put them in your mouth. You put them all the way in your mouth. <laughs> you guys just gone to town, Montreal? Yes, last night. Yep, yep. Last night you got it. Oh, I think you're off. No, you're off. <laughs> you're am, I, am I on? You're back on, baby. No, we, uh, we, had a great, we had a great dinner last night in a place called Joe, Joe Beef. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. We're just off meat recently. So Joe oh, B oh well, right, well, that's why you weren't invited. That's why you guys weren't invited. <laughs> but, uh, it's a vegetarian restaurant, by the yeah. way. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Joe B. Yeah, all yeah. cabbage. That's yeah. all they serve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to start uh, with Walton. Um, you hadn't done a ton of comedy before Vice Principals. Yes. Well, yeah. obviously, you guys haven't seen Major League Three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Back to the Miners, uh, starring Scott Bakula. Oh, I've seen it. Uh, no, well, no. I mean, I mean, not comedy. Kind of in the. Uh, I mean, I've never been on a on a sitcom for NBC or something. Sure. You know, something like that. So, but but I. It's no kind of overt. Hey, look at me. I'm going to say something that I want you to laugh. But I think I, you know, I think The Shield was one of the funniest shows on television. To be quite honest with you, and right. I think. Um, I think uh, uh, Boyd Crowder was very, very, very funny. I mean, it's Elmore Leonard um, justified. And and so I have been given an opportunity over the course of my career to, as an actor, uh, play things very serious, very, very seriously that happen to be also very funny. And And that's what I'm attracted to. I don't know that I could do a, I'm not going to say the person's name, but just a romantic comedy that has, that has nothing to it. You know, if I, if I don't feel something, if I have like, apathy towards uh the subject matter then 
I, I personally couldn't do it. I think well, that's the only way that I could find. Get, get a bigger room. house, get some credit card debt. Then yes, you'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do anything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, Danny, I was going to ask that you directed the third episode of season one. Mm-hmm. Is directing something that, I mean, you're looking to do? Does the idea of directing a feature interest you? Yeah, yeah. For, you, know, I, you know, I met Jody and David actually at School of the Arts, and that's what I was there for was directing. And, uh, you know, I ended up just acting just because we the drama school at School of the Arts wasn't allowed to work with the film school. They were afraid that uh, all the inexperienced directors at the film school would, like, ruin the craft that they were teaching these guys. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, I got an acting career. <laughs> I, I thank them for that. But, uh, yeah, it's always, I've always been more interested in what is going on behind the you know behind the scenes than what's going on in front of it but I've been really lucky in the sense that I've been able to work with these different directors that I've always admired and seeing how all these different guys operate and how and how they work and so yeah I would love to be able to uh, step behind the camera and use some of that how did you make the shift then if you wanted to start as a director is it just like you had a natural talent or something like you know I just uh, I you know I just uh, I moved to LA and was PAing and waiting tables, and then I've got a job doing motion control for like behind the music and history channels, like a camera operator for those guys. And uh, yeah, and then David called me up to uh, he had an actor drop out of all the real girls like the day before they were going to start filming. And you know, I'd been in these guys' student films and stuff back in the day, and so he was like, "Hey, man, will you come and do this? I think you'd be able to rock this out." And so I went and did it, and didn't have any interest still in pursuing it. But then uh, then Jody was going to make a movie, and he was like, "Hey, you were in." David's movie, so you've been in one more job than anyone else that I know. Wow. You come do the foot fist way with me, and and then it just you know the work just started to come from that. Didn't that didn't that come with like didn't didn't uh, didn't David say when when that actor dropped out for all the real girls? He said, "Who's the funniest person that I know?" And and it's you. Like, that's what he said. That's the, that's how the story goes. That's the story. I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Well, this is an interesting. I mean, how long have you guys known each other, you two? Because I think you know chemistry with any sort of two leads is an interesting thing, and sometimes it's hard to develop. Sometimes people get cast and it doesn't work. How much did you guys have to work on that leading up, and was there something established before? You know, uh, we haven't known each other as long as I wish we had known each other. You know, but we we do have a lot of friends in common, and uh, and I've just been a fan of these guys for so very long. I've known David from the independent film circuit for upwards of like 15 years, you know, socially. And, uh, and, and Danny and I actually ran into each other and, and had some lovely conversations when he was doing Into the World and I was doing Django That's right. in New Orleans. And I, and I actually, I read for the, uh, the fourth season of Eastbound and Down. And it was a it was a great character, and I, I was so excited. I actually had braces on at the time, dude. I had braces on because I, I needed to kind of get this during this little bitty break. I needed to get this done, and they. <laughs> so uh, these were legit braces. You're no, these were legit. They <laughs> this were legit. wasn't character work. No, no, this was these, yeah, were, okay. these were the real. These are the right. real deal. And uh, and and I uh, I got this phone call to come and 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 meet with uh, Danny and this crew, and it's it was a real dream come true for me. I really wanted to to get inside that circle. And, uh, and I, I, whether I was good or whether I was really, really bad, I, I didn't wind up getting the role. But what I did do is I just had a great time, you know, reading their words. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, that's what you look for, you know, with anybody that you want to collaborate with is what they're f-ing doing. And, and it's authentic and real. And, yeah, it was cool. And I've, I've been a big fan of Walton's work. And I keep, to me, he's my favorite kind of actor. It's just like, you know, the idea of like what he was speaking to earlier where, you know, he can be in these shows like Justified and – 
um, you know, the shield and he's able to find that comedy without pushing any of it. It just plays as real. And for us, that's like, that's, that's what we love the most is like, we love stuff that isn't just straight comedy. That is, that does kind of ride that line. And, you know, when we wrote this character, uh, of Lee Russell, we didn't really know who was going to play it, you know, and we were being pitched every comedy guy that you can imagine. And, uh, we just weren't, I don't know, none of them seemed like they had what it took. And, Remember, David and I were talking, and then we brought up Walton's name, and both of us instantly were like, "Fuck, that's the, that's exactly who this needs to be. Like somebody who is dangerous and funny, and will make you know bring gravity to this." And uh, I remember I called Walton, sent him the scripts, and uh, man, we had we had we had been auditioning so many people, and no one even came close. You know, everyone would push that character so far, they'd push it into caricature. And uh, without any direction or even telling him anything about it, you know, he had just gotten the scripts and. I called him on the phone and he was just like doing Lee Russell on the phone instantly. And it was exactly how we had always imagined it without any of us giving him any input on how we wanted it executed. And I just knew, I was like, this is, this is it. This is why we make the show is, you know, we we found Lee Russell. Well, these characters, I couldn't imagine that they were based on anyone you know in real life, but I heard that uh, your character on Eastbound and Down was based on John Rocker. Well, you know, we get that all the time, but honestly, Jody and I knew so little about baseball, we didn't even know who the <laughs> John Rocker was. <laughs> and now that we, like, you know, since we wrote the show, obviously, like, we're not idiots. Like, I started, like, really, I started getting into baseball. And, and so then when people were like, oh, yeah, in this base on John Rocker, I was like, it isn't, but fuck, it, it seems like it is. <laughs> well, would I be correct to assume that these aren't based on real characters or you take snippets from people you know in real life? Or? I think that, that with every performance, I feel like you always try to find, like, you know, I don't know, points of inspiration for characters. Yeah, you know, yeah. People you might have met or seen before. Yeah, I mean, I think there are affectations, you know, of, of, of Lee Russell that, that, that I've, I've certainly encountered, you know, in, in the South where, where, where I come from, where we come from, that are, and they're so dynamic in the way that they dress and the way that they can present themselves and, uh, and, and they're amazing people. So I'm sure it's like, a, it's really an amalgamation of five or 10 people that, that I knew kind of growing up. And then someone I've never, I've never met. I've never met anybody that's burned. I've house down. That <laughs> scene is insane. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah, you don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah. We just found out that uh, Jody tried to smuggle cigarettes into Canada years oh, yeah. ago. He's not supposed to be here, I don't think. No. no. <laughs> he five Jody tried band. to smuggle cigarettes into Canada. Yeah, he got in our after our freshman year of college, I think he smuggled in some cigarettes and got caught at the border. And, uh, <laughs> and then he wasn't allowed to come back, I think. It's yeah. a fact, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, David also told us a story that you, you wrote your number down on a napkin years ago and said, I want to work with you one day. And he just recently found it at his house. I did, yeah, that's yeah. a true story. Yeah, 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 almost 10, 12, 13 years ago, something like that, yeah. Well, it's interesting, sorry, going back, you said you were waiting tables and you get the call to be in the film. I mean, your characters tend to, like with Eastbound and Vice Principals, have such like a sort of a, an uber self-confidence, sort of like a real determination. When you're starting out and you're, you know, did you have that sort of faith? And I guess this question's for both of you. Do You know, is there sort of like a blind optimism or a bit of like a, a nativity in... I'm going to make it no matter what, or were there times where you're like, shit, I don't think this is going to happen. I, I, you know, I always knew I didn't, I didn't, I never would have imagined that I would have uh, found a career doing this, like acting, but I always knew I would be able to do this. I knew it because I, even when I got out here, I was like, you know, I'm just not going to stop doing this until I can do it. It's like, you know, I would wait tables and come home and write all night long and sleep for like four hours and go back to work. I just, you know, to me, it was not only my hobby, but it was the, what I was interested in more than anything. So I just knew I was like, I'm going to stick this out. Not, you know, and uh, then I got to L.A. and also realized that the competition wasn't that stiff. Like, people were just wanting to 
be famous, you know, and it's like a lot of people didn't have anything to say. And so uh, I just felt like if I kept working uh, that I could find the opportunities I needed. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I When I showed up to Los Angeles at 19 years old, I had $300 in my pocket. And, I you know, I did it all. I mean, I sold cowboy boots. I personal trained. I had a valet parking business. And um, and I really wasn't concerned with, with a, a career kind of on that level or centered around uh, notoriety or celebrity. It wasn't about that for me. I just, I just went to class every day you know, four, four days a week. And, and I studied and watched movies and, and, uh, understood what it was I was asking myself to do. And, and I, and I knew that I would get an opportunity to, to do that. I never wanted to be Brad Pitt or didn't want to be Brad Pitt. I didn't want anybody else's career and I wanted everybody's career. I just, I just wanted to be good by my own yardstick, you know, and, and really kind of understand story and to be around story and I think that's what's, you know, that's what's missing today. Just maybe in young culture, it's like you think, well, if I just do this, then I'll get this. Or if it's like it's a means to an end things. always. Yeah, it's that's never right. About as opposed the to the work. I just. Yeah. And, and the process and the work, you know, work begets work. Good storytelling begets good storytelling. And once you really enjoy what you do for a living, it, it just you just get better at it and you enjoy it more and more and more and more. Was there a moment where you said. I've made it like this is it, whether it be in your well, bank going up or just those certain I mean, roles. You know, I mean, like, I think that all of that, I mean, it depends on kind of where you are in your life. I mean, I did the apostle with Robert Duvall when I was 24 years old and, you know, it was like, that was the thing. And for that moment, I, yeah, I, I made it. I mean, he was, he was my hero, you know, three years ago, you know, Quentin Tarantino writes me the lead in his movie, the hateful eight. And the day we wrapped, I get to star on a, on a television show with Danny McBride and directed by Jody Hill and David Gordon Green. So at that point, I said, now I've made it. But there were, you know, I think The Shield, I made it. I think Justified, I, mean, I think you're constantly making it. But the difference between saying that to yourself at the age where, at, at where I am in my life now is I'm never going to lose it. Like there's nothing to be lost. I'm not, I'm not holding on to something that I'm fearful of losing. I'm only looking forward and being grateful for the things that have happened thus far. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, I mean, ultimately the idea of success is it's kind of a moving goalpost. You get what you want and then you want some more and it always changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, it's like sitting down at a table and looking at a, at a, at a, at a, at a buffet and, and you're not reaching for the steak because you don't like the mashed potatoes. You just like, you just say, well, I just want to know what that tastes like. And then. Wow, this is some cream spinach. What does this taste like? <laughs> Not good if it's yeah, all about really really cream spinach. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I guess, Leslie, was there a moment like that for you to, to Shane's uh, point? I, I completely agree with Walton. I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, there's nothing more anticlimactic than like something you've worked on actually coming out. You know, it's uh, you kind of, when you make these things in the in the beginning, your, your head kind of thinks that there's going to be this moment where like everyone turns around and looks at you when it comes out. It's like, well done. You, you've done it, you know, <laughs> but that never happens. Happens, you know, it's like so for me, it kind of it just adjusts to like what I'm saying. Just the opportunity to do it is what it's is what it's kind of about, you know. Uh, whether things you put your energy into find success or not, I mean, it's always awesome if it finds success because that can enable you to do it again. But ultimately, I think you have to find the success in just being able to spend your time doing what you like doing, kind of no matter what the results are. Right. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Hey, we thanks. really appreciate thanks it for having us.
Welcome to The Dessert. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jody and David and Danny and Walton. Vice Principals Season 2 premieres Sunday, September 17th at 10.30 p.m. Eastern on HBO Canada. So check it out. Shane, we're in The Dessert. You're the pop culture aficionado. What's going on? I am, on? I am, I am. So speaking of pop culture, uh, I actually um, I have my book so I could tell this a little better. But you told me to rush here and I came from the gym. Oh, sorry. So I might tell this a little bad. But... Um, <laughs> I hope you're excited, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a little tease. What's the <laughs> But, uh, okay, so we just went on a bachelor party, and my plan was to go pretty hard on this trip. But then, uh, like, what do you think, like, the weirdest thing you could hear before you went on a bachelor trip would be? Uh, you need to quit drinking? For uh, some people, maybe the worst, or some people, good. But what do you think is weird news to hear? The weirdest. You're going to be a father? Yeah. Come on. So, uh. Yeah. Hold on. You're actually going to be a dad? Yeah. Wait a second. First try. It's crazy. This is crazy. I know. Yeah, Shane's tearing up. I didn't think I would cry. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's why I went so crazy on the trip. Like, partying. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for my son. <laughs> <laughs> We're all degenerates. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Alex and I were supposed to write each other an anniversary card, but we never did. So but I bought her an anniversary card and just never filled it out. So then she's like, oh, I filled out uh, an anniversary card for you that I want you to open before you go on the bachelor party. And I was like, okay. So I open up this card right before we're about to go on the trip. And it's like, dear Shane, I love you so much. I know you're such a loyal boyfriend and and loyal husband or whatever. I'm like, okay, like, I'm not cheating on you on the trip. Don't worry. And I kind of like stop reading at that point just to joke around. And then I keep going and it's like, and she's like, and the best father. And I was like, whoa. Because, you know, she had already taken a pregnancy test and it said she wasn't. But then this one said she was, these ones. And she kept peeing on the stick, and it kept telling her the same thing. Different sticks, of course. Sure. Yeah. Wow. They're just twigs in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Two berries mean prego. <laughs> there were berries there. <laughs> so then, it, and this is kind of a, a hard situation because it's like, you know, there's a ton of theories probably saying don't tell anyone until it's like, you know. Sure. So, but for me, it's hard not to say it. And it's like, it would be so hard for me to just go the appropriate amount of time. So I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. But then on the bachelor trip, like three drinks in, I just told Peak, <laughs> like just in the water. And it's his bachelor party. So I kind of didn't want to like steal his thunder, but I, I just couldn't wait. So I told him and then I told Matt Unsworth and uh, Chelsea Buck's brother. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I don't know this guy from a hole in the ground. <laughs> and Unzi was just like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I, I was just telling people at the... Are we the last two to find out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then Alex told everyone, like, on her baseball team, and there's some people that are on our baseball team. So I'm like, be well, the, the thing was, Alex back home, like, e everyone knows Alex likes to party. Everyone knew we were on a bachelor trip. So th they organized, like, a, a girls trip where they all went out and drank and stuff. So Alex had it organized to drink fake shots, fake alcohol, 
and get in with the bartender. So anytime a group of shots came, the bartender would like wink, wink at Alex and give her just water. So everyone, but everyone still noticed that Alex was acting weird, like very sober. And Ash Legs was like, ah, something's up. So it, this was going to come out no matter what. Wow. But yeah, and uh, so then I, I, I started really wanting a reaction for people because no one was giving me anything. So this <laughs> like guy, on the Badger trip when you were telling them nobody was reacting? Well, I just thought people would be more mind blown. But I sober, I was like, hey, don't. But when drunk, I'm like overcome with emotions every time I'm drunk. So then at work, uh, this guy who's worse with me, but it, I'm like, okay, like, he's like, man, why were you partying so hard on your trip? He's like, I noticed in your Instagram stories you were going pretty crazy. I was like, well, here's why. I'm like, Alex is, and I do the tummy symbol. But I'm like, Shh, keep it down. Like, you can't give me a hug or anything, like, because I'm saving it for the pod to tell Mike. <laughs> and then this guy goes, and he starts bawling. He goes, he goes congratulations. I'm like, shut the f- up like don't say anything i shouldn't say anything he's like oh man i gotta post this and he's bawling <laughs> did you notice this at all no tears streaming he can't believe me. he goes Fuck you man Fuck you and he's like all mad at me for telling him in the office like kind of like how you'd expect like a stereotypical woman and like a movie to react or something so i'm like whoa like when i tell my mom i'm like that's gonna be like the the real crazy reaction so i call my mom and my mom's like kind of weird like uh, if you don't know her but she i'm like hey mom i'm uh alex is pregnant she's like oh my god and <laughs> and then so i'm like uh oh here comes the crazy reaction and then she's like uh how late did you and brandon stay out the other night when uh first birthday she starts talking about brand my cousin's birthday <laughs> she so I'm moves like, on i'm like mom like come on <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like oh i was just looking at your wedding album the other day I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, it looks kind of weird now that he's older. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Nothing's about yeah. the baby. I was, like, I was like, so I'm trying to get her back in. I'm like, oh, do you want to know the names? Because I'm like, we, we have the names. Like, should it be a boy or a girl? And uh, like my mom's favorite show is I Love Lucy. So I'm like, she's going to love this. She's going to go nuts. I, and I go, uh, if it's a girl, we're going to name it Lucy. And then she goes, Lucy. She's like, oh, that's like Lucille. It's like, she's like, uh, I don't know. She's like, you, you're gonna think on it, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then she goes, the name I do like though is Lucifer. <laughs> and I go, mom, I go, that's Satan. That's like biblical <laughs> Satan. And then she goes, uh, but people name their kids Damien. <laughs> And that, but like, isn't that a weird reaction for a mom? And I was like, okay, if it's a boy, it's gonna be Wells. And that was it. But, Wells, yeah, Wells Cunningham. Yeah, after uh, so this the, guy on the Bachelor in Paradise that we really like. <laughs> that true? Yeah, Wells Cunningham. <laughs> so, so boy, Wells Cunningham, girl, Lucifer Cunningham. Yes, <laughs> man, I know. First, we only tried once. I got like potent, crazy shit in here, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, come once. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Congrats. To, wow. To our brother Shane and Alex. Brother Shane. Daddy sister Shane. Alex. Daddy Shane. Mommy Alex. Daddy Shane. Yeah. Wow. The, 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 the pop culture aficionado. Like pops. Papa. Pops Papa culture. culture. Yeah. Papa culture. Hey, well, I'm still shell-shocked. Me Max, too. What are your I'm trying to, you know, make sense of it all. Congratulations. And she's due Mother's Day. Oh. Yeah. Appropriate. Damn. 
huge thank you to Jenna Gregory, um, Webmaster Dan. Uh, who cares about all this stuff? Congrats to Shane. Congrats and, uh, to Al. Shane. Yeah, yeah uh, see you next week. Uh, if Shane uh, or we don't, I don't. I'm at a yeah. loss for words. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Hope we don't die in the weekend and we see a little baby by Mother's Day. Yeah.